This is Bigger Pockets Daily, real estate investing education for your earballs. The following article was first published on biggerpockets.com/blog. We'll link to it in the show description, but you can see the photos, comments, and related articles. Okay, almost time for the show. We'll get right into it after this quick break. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Meet RentApp, the seamless, secure, free way to collect rent. Built by a team of fintech veterans behind Square and Cash App, RentApp uses ACH bank transfers to deposit funds directly into your account. You don't even need to download anything. RentApp setup is straightforward for renters, and there are no apps for landlords to download. Both get peace of mind with a digital transaction history. That means no more lost checks, managing a dozen different payment apps, or even wondering whether payment was sent. Landlords say RentApp is the most convenient way to collect rent, and we think you'll agree. RentApp, the free and easy way to collect rent. Learn more at rent.app slash landlord. That's rent.app slash landlord. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. What an analysis of 295 housing markets told me about the national market. By Dave Meyer. How would you describe the housing market right now? Is it up? Flat? Down? Crashing? Each option is a little bit correct and a little bit wrong. That's because these days there is almost no way to describe the housing situation in the U.S. on a national level. So to understand what is happening and to make solid investing decisions in 2023, you need to be looking at regional trends and individual market metrics. So to shed some light on the differences in market behavior, I went ahead and dug into the 295 largest housing markets in the country And I wrote up the most interesting trends and findings from my research, which you will hear today on the podcast. Let's take a look at sales price. So of the 295 markets studied, 200 of them are up or flat year over year. This is true, even though on a national level, housing prices are down about 3%. Meaning, although about two-thirds of markets are still up YOY, the depth of declines and size of the market seeing negative price growth is dragging down the national average. For the most part, the pandemic-era craziness is over, 
but there are actually still 37 markets with double-digit growth. Macon, Georgia is up 28%, goodness, with many of the other red-hot markets coming in the Midwest. Springfield, Ohio, Saginaw, Michigan, and a few places in Wisconsin still have growth of over 20%. Of course, there are markets that are seeing huge declines as well. Austin leads the way, minus 14% growth, followed by Sacramento and Boise at minus 12%. And other major markets like Seattle, Phoenix, LA, and Denver are all seeing some of the worst corrections. What stood out to me when looking at sales prices is how pronounced regional differences are. For the most part, western states are seeing huge declines, while markets in the Midwest and Northeast are just doing fine. The South is mostly growing still, but there are some markets in decline there too. Boise has seen steep declines, but has started to level off. Madison, Wisconsin, and Orlando, Florida are relatively flat, and Rochester, New York is still on an upward trend, even though seasonality makes it look like it's declined for a few months. It's still up on its YOY. Now let's take a look at inventory real quick. The prevailing logic over the last year is that inventory was going to rise considerably with higher interest rates, and in some ways, yeah, this is true. Of the 295 markets studied, 183 of those had inventory up YOY. Some markets have truly skyrocketed. Markets like The Villages in Florida, Austin, Texas, Spokane, Washington, all seeing inventory more than double. This seems like an alarming statistic because rising inventory can precede steep price declines. But year-over-year data might be misleading us. Inventory was extremely low during the pandemic. So I looked at current day inventory and compared it to the same months in 2019. What I found was that only 20 markets have inventory higher than pre-pandemic levels. This is extremely low. Even with higher interest rates, there are only a handful of markets in the entire country with inventory levels that have fully rebounded. What's even more remarkable to me is how low inventory has stayed in other markets. In Muncie, Indiana, for example, inventory is only 21% of what it was in 2019, meaning for every five houses for sale in 2019, there is now just one. When you look regionally, low inventory levels are primarily concentrated in New England. Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Vermont, Connecticut, all have several markets with desperately low inventory. Even in Boise, which has seen a steep correction, inventory fell in line with seasonal patterns this winter and is not accelerating out of control. Okay, let's go ahead and dive into new listings. One of the main reasons inventory remains so low is just the lack of new listings. Of the 295 markets, only 16 have seen growth in the number of new listings in the last year. This is as close to a national trend as it gets in the housing market right now. But surprisingly, those 16 markets are primarily concentrated in Florida and Texas. In certain markets, sellers are in revolt. Burlington, Vermont has seen a 68% decline in new listings this year, as has Truckee, California. Other areas with ultra-low new listings are in New England. That kind of makes sense, though. Declining new listings and low inventory tend to be closely correlated. So if you want to know why the housing market isn't crashing on a national level, this is one of the main reasons. 
there is very little to buy, which is offsetting the decline in demand that has come with rising interest rates. Very interesting stuff. All right, we move on to days on market. Days on market, DOM, is an excellent indicator because it helps us understand the balance of supply and demand in a market. In markets where there is excessive supply, DOM goes up. In markets where there is excessive demand, DOM goes down. Balanced markets stay flat. What we see right now is that 246 markets have rising DOM. Even though inventory has remained low, properties are sitting on the market longer in most parts of the country. But how much longer? Yeah, that varies dramatically. In Boise, the average days on the market went from 13 one year ago to 88 today. Huh? (laughs) That is an increase of nearly 600%. Yeah, no wonder prices are falling in Boise. Markets that boomed, like Boise and Orlando, are reverting. Meanwhile, the more boring markets, like Rochester and Madison, are holding almost perfectly steady as they have for years. This is generally true for many major metros in the Midwest and Northeast. Sale to list ratio. The last metric I looked at is the sale to list ratio, which measures, on average, how much below or above the asking price properties are selling for. Despite dropping demand, there are still 49 markets in the U.S. that are averaging above list sales. Of all markets, Rochester, New York leads the way with the average home selling for about 107% of the list price. Madison is also 100%. Those boring markets are knocking it out of the park, right? Which again, you know what, is really no shock given the supply and demand dynamics there. For the other 246 markets, however, buyers are getting discounts on the sale price. I've been talking about the concept of buying deep for months, buying under the asking price, and it seems that in 84% of markets, this is happening. In Key West, Florida, buyers are buying at 95% of the list price. Austin, yeah, we love to pick on Austin, don't we? 96%. And in New Orleans, it's about 97%. To me, this is a perfect example of why it's so important to understand local market dynamics. If you see that inventory is rising and you're in a buyer's market, you can offer less than the asking price. And as the data shows, you're probably going to get it. However, if you're in a strong seller's market, you may still have to write competitive offers and won't have the luxury of being as patient as you might like. So, the conclusion? Hopefully, this analysis has shown you that trying to describe the housing market is just not possible right now. Every region and every individual market is behaving so differently. There are markets still in the grips of the pandemic boom with massive growth and low inventory, and there are markets seeing steep corrections. How you invest in 2023 should largely depend on the dynamics of, you guessed it, your own local market. Some markets will support flipping right now. Others are better for rentals. And some, (laughs) ah, just run away altogether. As an investor, I encourage you to stay on top of the metrics I outlined today in this podcast and use them to help you make investing decisions. What are you seeing in your local market? And how are you adjusting your investing tactics accordingly? We'd love for you to visit biggerpockets.com and comment 
on this article. Okay, pretty good stuff, right? Thanks for taking time to listen to this article. Now remember, the Bigger Pockets calculators are powerful tools to help you make sound investing decisions. You can get five free reports at biggerpockets.com calc. And pro members get unlimited use. I'll see you back here in 24 hours or less.